Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. I am Doug. And I'm Joe. And in our hands today we have a great cigar. Been lit about five minutes. We're happy to share it with you and talk about stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, jumping right into it, because we're enjoying this. Christoph Vengeance. It's uh, actually, it's fun, and Joe commented right away that it was cool looking. Oh, it's a gorgeous looking cigar. Makes you feel kind of old, I don't know, old world or something. It's something, something extra classy about the shape. Maybe. I, I, I think I agree with you there. It, it is perfecto shape. And so it measures six and a half by 60, but 60 is in the middle. And of course the ends are pointed more or less, if you know what a perfecto is. So um, that's what we're enjoying. And here's what, here's what it is. Christoph Vengeance, which... Uh, it's actually, I, I need to say, it's a, it's a newer version. A few years back, they had an older version. And uh, I don't know exactly. I read about it, but I forgot what the older version was. This is the new version, to clarify, in case you get an older one. The new uh, Christoph Vengeance has a tasty Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, an Indonesian binder, and finely aged Dominican and Nicaraguan long fillers. It lands firmly in the medium to full-bodied range. Now, um... In my opinion, which I'm not super experienced in Connecticut broadleafs, but based on what I know, I'd say as soon as we lit up and I started to draw, it tastes like a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. It's what I would expect. That's not to say it's awesome or it's not awesome yet. It's just to say it's what I expected right away. And uh, But then, uh, Joe, you want to talk about what we're getting right off the bat? Well, yeah, and, and I think that it's probably a little bit important to notice that the gauge is a lot smaller when it, when you start the cigar, so you're going to get more wrapper, um, which is nice because it kind of sets the tone sets the tone for the rest of the cigar, kind of gets you centered in on what some of those nice notes are going to be. And so immediately, as soon as I lit up, I got tamarind fruit. And I like that kind of a taste, almost like a, you know, we were talking about chewing beech nut mm -hmm. earlier. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of, I just love that sort of sweet, sticky sweet uh, taste of tamarind fruit and so getting that um, it's real sweet the oil's really nice already and uh, I don't know that's all I have to say right now it's um, super earthy I'm getting kind of a um, I'm gonna say bitter dark chocolate but it's hard to tell it might be coffee I, um, I got just a hint of pepper right at the beginning, but then nothing after. As soon as, when I lit, I did, and then nothing. So, uh, light, go ahead. No, you finished what you're saying. Light retro hail yeah. was, was, was nice, brought out the, the earthiness and maybe a little sweetness as well. Um, and I, I would say it's lightly, the earthiness is lightly sweet. And I'm, even though I know it has Nicaraguan long filler in it, I'm not, I'm not getting that dirty Nicaraguan I'm, I'm not getting taste. any of that. It was funny, I, I, I almost jumped in right on top of you, but because when, as soon as you said coffee, I, I thought coffee cherry, ah. which is not something that almost anybody ever gets to taste, but um, like a, a raw coffee cherry before the bean's been extracted, when it's ripe and red, um, can they just a little bit of that flavor in there? I have actually chewed on, maybe I'm one of the few Americans. There can't have, be that many. Yeah, I've there chewed on a, a rock, because I wanted to when I was in the Dominican Republic. I uh, was visiting this missionary guy that was uh, growing coffee, and I said, I just want to try one of those. Just pick one and eat it. And it was way more tart than I thought it would be. And uh, But it, it actually, the fact that I've liked some medium roasts lately that I've talked to you about, mm -hmm. it, it really made me 
took me back to think when I was in the Dominican yeah. Republic when I've been drinking medium roast with a little bit of kind of tart fruit in the mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. So, which I'm still waiting on a coffee, by the way. I know <laughs> you keep bringing coffee. I mean, we need to plan ahead, and I'll I'll make you one, one because I I did get a new batch, so I have a, right I have a full bag now. Excellent to make you one someday. But um, yeah, I can't put my hand on the sweetness. It's just a it's an earthy sweetness now, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, maybe a hint of ashiness in the back of my throat. Maybe we'll we'll see. We'll we'll keep it going and. Let's not try too hard. We're only five minutes in, and yeah. we'll we'll get into some other fun stuff. And uh, you know, how about I'm going to run? Let me just do my corrections first. We'll kind of ease into the ease into the to the news cycle. But the first thing is there are two cigar things I want to mention. First of all, it's been a couple weeks ago. I called the Christoph uh, Christania. I called it Christiana. Ah. I put the I in the wrong place in my brain. It was actually printed out right, but I read it wrong. That's the wrong way. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong <laughs> that's way. That's the wrong way. And so I called it the Christiana when it's actually Cristania. Ah. And um, it is actually a remake of my favorite Christoph cigar, which I didn't know until actually after Interesting. the podcast. And so I wanted to at least mention that I said it wrong. And we actually have the Cristania Maduro coming up at some point in the future. So that'll be fun. The second thing I promised the story of Lito Gomez last week when we were smoking the La Flor Dominicana Coronado, and I didn't tell the story. And it, it's short, but it's fun. So um, the guy that started La Flor Dominicana was a jeweler, and forgot where. I, I knew at one point it might have been Florida or something, but he was a jeweler, and like big time importing, you know, diamonds and stuff and selling them. And he got robbed like four hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff, oh. and it. It was just his business was over. There was, you know... How do you recover? Uh, yeah, how do you recover from that? And so he did what he could to to raise money to start a cigar business, and now he is a successful wow. cigar maker. It's just like, you know, well... And, and, it, and it wasn't just that he couldn't, but it shook him up. The story was it shook him up enough that he's like, I don't even want to try to really? do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to sell diamonds anymore. That's interesting. Yeah. Because you kind of think, of, I mean, if I may comment, yeah, I, I think it's, if you get into the jewelry business, it's got to be like a passion, it seems to me. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's whatever, but it would seem to me like if you're into that, that it'd be a hard thing to give up, but whatever. That's just my opinion. Well, maybe. I, I have a, a friend of a friend that is a big time diamond guy in Iowa, and he's actually taking care of his... I think it's it's either brother or brother-in-law because he got him into the business and he got beat up and robbed, really? beat up to the point where he can't take care of himself. Oh man! So so he lives with with you know this diamond guy and he takes care of him. Wow! But he's still but this guy's still in the business, you mm-hmm. know. And he didn't get out, but his brother obviously did. And uh, wow, that's bad. Yeah, it is. It's uh, so I guess it's a pretty rough business. He offered Dang thieves anyway. Well, he offered me a job years ago, like like where you fly to Africa and they chain a briefcase onto your wrist and you bring it to the United States. <laughs> and my my wow. friend, since it's a friend of a friend, so my my friend mm-hmm. said, "Do not do it." <laughs> it's like you'll be licensed to carry a gun on the plane, but they'll cut your arm off to get that briefcase. Wow. You know, he's like, wow. <laughs> it's just crazy. That's intense. It is. I mean, to be that close to somebody that said, I don't think you want to do that. <laughs> so, anyway, he paid people a lot of money to 
to courier for him. Probably because he didn't want to do it. Yeah, I mean, jeez. <laughs> well, we're kind of we're kind of off to a fun, interesting oh, start yeah. without even getting. We're into kinda, we were rambling even before we started recording today, so it's good. We were. Um, I had one other correction, um, and that was that flag in North Carolina or South Carolina that's like forty by eighty. Yeah. The farm flag's nowhere near that big. I checked with my boss. I forgot what he said, but it's like 10 by 20 or something. Oh, okay. So it's nowhere near yeah. 40 by 80. I didn't think it was probably 40 by 80, but I was like, whatever. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, and, and we have to redo it. It came, I guess it came undone a couple months ago. I didn't even miss it, but really? I didn't know it came undone, but yeah. Some broke. of the wind we've been having, I'm not surprised. Yeah, the rope broke and it came on. And I told him, I said, I think I could skimmy up that pole. It's, I mean... It's like 75 feet off the ground and then a 25-foot pole. I'm like, if I can climb the pole, I can climb the pole, whether it's on the ground or not. <laughs> it's like, you know, and he's like, I don't think your wife wants me to let you yeah. do that. <laughs> it's like, okay, whatever. But it's amazing. I don't, I don't consider myself afraid of heights at all, but there's, some, there's a switch that you either are able to flip or not able to flip when you get up there. Yeah. Like, you got to talk to yourself a little bit sometimes. I mean, depends on the situation, too. I've had times where I've been up super high and don't care at all. And other times, like, it, it's weird how just once in a while it'll hit me, like, I'm really high up. Huh. Wish I hadn't noticed that. <laughs> well, I, I told him, it's like, I said, I would know, you know, five, six feet up the pole if I was going to not be able to do it. You know? <laughs> but, you know, not, not too much of being up high scares me. I mean, I was I was ready to bungee jump off a bridge in Nepal once, mm-hmm. and then we couldn't because it was raining too hard, but um, yeah. Three second free fall. I can't remember how, how long the bungee cord was. We were it's a pretty good long, piece. long ways up. Yeah. It's supposed to be the longest free fall in the world. Really? As far as bungee jumps go? As far as bungee jumps go. There's a there's a higher one, but their bungee jump, it, their, their bungee cord isn't as long, so you don't free fall as, as much. Anyway, so. <laughs> and the Nepalese government has a pretty good, good uh, oversight on? Um, actually, probably not at all. But the guys that were there were Swedish. Oh, um, okay. Teamed up with a couple Nepali guys. And they had all kinds of regulations. They taught us a lot of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, all that. Anyway. Fun. Fun stuff. Yeah, let's just talk about fun stuff the whole time. We should. I, I don't want to talk about Mueller. I don't want. I don't want to talk about whatever. Whatever else. Tariffs. We just smoke the cigar and. <laughs> Gee. <clears throat> well, where do you want to go first, sir? Matters not to me. I think I don't know if we if 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 people count on us for any sort of current events, we probably ought to discuss what happened today. But we don't have to go too far into it. All right, let's start there. Let's start and talk about what we know and what's going on with with Mueller. And I, I'll let you go, but I want to preface it by saying a couple things. And this uh, this comes courtesy of a podcast I listened to, and it's actually been a couple months back. But it was Mark Levin, and I want to say that he was convinced months ago. He said, I'm not sure that you should trust Mueller and Barr. He said, they'll probably do their job but be careful because I'm not sure that he said I think they're basically he was saying I think they're biased Yeah. and so (laughs) it's like they might do what they're supposed to do but they'll also do everything they can do basically (laughs) 
Well, so to, from, to hurt. Okay, the president. so from what I heard, and I and I don't know about that, but I'll 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 say what I think I okay. heard today. Um, the so Mueller came public today. He went public and made a speech and officially closed the investigation, and basically like read a few lines from his report saying, and the way he phrased it was was really funny, was that if if they would have found conclusive evidence that the president did not commit a crime, they would have said so. Yeah. Which is exactly backwards from the way our legal system is supposed right. to work. Um, but that being said, he also made some jibber-jabber about, and I call it jibber-jabber because it's ridiculous, like political junk, mm-hmm. um, about how they couldn't have pressed charges against the president anyway because he's you can't bring a federal government charges against the sitting president. And I, I know I'm missing some... I'm misstating some terms or whatever, but... You can't indict you can't, a sitting president. Well, you can indict a president. Can't you? If, Somebody can. If I know what the word indict means, I don't think so, but okay. I might have the word indict wrong. Um, yeah, we're not lawyers, and we don't yeah. pretend to be. And we don't play them on the radio. I'll, can, but, I, can I pretend <laughs> to be today? <laughs> I'll no, a lot it costs of too much. Oh, you're right, you're right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, he, he basically was making excuses like, basically he was saying, without saying, that there were, we could have pressed charges, but we couldn't because he's president. And it's our policy and our rules say that we can't bring charges against a sitting president. Which is kind of funny because you said that um, you kind of, um, in your earlier statement, kind of lumped Barr and Mueller together. But in this case, Barr has said, I think in testimony, in sworn testimony, that Mueller told him three on three occasions that that it wasn't policy that was going to make them not bring charges or something to this or to this effect mm-hmm. so so he basically threw bar under the bus today with this statement or you know so i don't know if they're in cahoots but i have thought Mueller is bought and paid for since day one well there's been a couple things that bar said that where i felt like he was at least a little more honest of a of a person trying to do his do do the right jo- do his job and nothing more. Sure. Just just by the way he speaks, but yeah, Mueller it was just like, uh, nope, I'm going to do everything I can to make Trump look bad, and yeah. and basically he threw Barr under the bus. So I agree with you there. It, I mean, it sounded like it kind of sounded like today with everything kind of coming to a close that hey, listen, people, we tried our best we could to like go after Trump. We wasted a lot of money and time, but now we're done. I mean, that's what I heard. That's what my ears were hearing. Oh, I don't know. Well, and, Pretty frustrating, but... And it seems like there... And this is my interpretation, so I'm, I'm interpreting what, what, what Mueller, 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 whatever said, so I'm not saying what he said, but it seemed like he was giving fuel to the impeach Trump. Oh, for uh, sure. Uh, you know, without a doubt, which I actually don't... I don't think that'll be good for the Democrats. Mm-hmm. I think it'll hurt them, not help them. And I wonder, yeah. you know, Pelosi's hard. I think she's a she's a player in the political game, so she's smart. So I don't know if she's just if she really thinks impeachment's a bad idea, or if she's just trying to pretend to play nice. <clears throat> yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. So it's, it's she's, she's such a, a con artist. Oh my goodness, sure. she is. But yeah, I think I think that I. I don't care if they try to impeach the president because I think it'd be the worst thing that the Democrats could do for themselves. They'd shoot, literally shoot themselves for, in the foot. Yeah, I think they would. So go ahead. 
But yeah, well, well, that's that's just it. I, you know, and I, I think Trump's just enough of a crazy guy that he is. He's like, bring it on, yeah. impeach me, because I, I think he realizes it'll be good for him, mm-hmm. and and bad for the Democrats. And I, I also wonder. I, I heard uh, somebody. It might have been Sebastian Gorka or somebody that, that they were they were not talking specifically about this, but they were talking about the idea that. Trump's polls aren't super high, and whoever this was that said it was like, yeah, because the people that like Trump are living their life. They're just out yeah. there having fun, doing their thing. First of all, they may not respond to a poll, and secondly, if they do respond to the poll, they might lie yeah. just for fun. They, I was listening, to, it. I was listening you know? to a fascinating program on the radio. I, it's been a couple weeks ago now, saying that um, basically this was, I forget who it was, but it was a well-known figure and he was saying listen the you polls have got to start accounting for the the misleading factor Mm -hmm. because you've got two camps two camps that are giving you false answers you've got camps or you've got people like well kind of like me that i have such a distaste for the polls that i might just intentionally feed them wrong information Mm -hmm. just to mess with them yeah because i know that they're bunk and we all know that they're bunk Mm -hmm. just for the fun of it so you've got those people and then you've got a bunch of people who have been, okay, so like, for the last two years, Trump's been made out to be just this horrific person. And yet, everybody's getting a little richer. And, I mean, what I mean to say is the economy's doing really well. And that, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. So there are lots and lots of people that live in these metropolitan areas that are secretly liking Trump because he's making them wealthier and he's he's providing opportunities, he's deregulating their businesses, he's doing all these good things, but they're too afraid to say it to anybody. They might secretly push the button for Trump, but they're not going to they're going to pretend that they don't like him just like everybody else. And so there's actually and this this person was talking about this on the on this program that there's a huge amount of people that even to a pollster will say that they hate Trump or that they're, they'll vote for whoever else, but secretly they really are, are pulling for Trump. So there's two factors that are throw, these skewing these polls. And, and honestly, I think he's got pretty good poll, polls, doesn't he? I mean, well, pretty good, but not, as high, not as high as some people think, you know, it, it, it should be. Right, right. Well, um, the other thing I... So the narrative that, that the left created was... You need to behave politically, you know, politically correctness. You know, you need to behave. You need to do things right. Mm-hmm. And so, they've created this atmosphere where you're you're either going to say, um, "Okay, I don't want to admit in public that I like Trump," and vote for him. Yeah. But you're not going to say it in public. You're not going to say it to a pollster unless you're a real rebel. And then if you're a real rebel and kind of mouthy, like Trump is, or sometimes I can be when I'm not as civil as I'd like to be, um, then they then they start throwing slams at you. They say, oh, you're just mean. You know, you're mean to whoever. You're a racist if you're mean to black people or Latinos or, you know, whatever. Or what for whatever reason, you're mean and you're a bad person. And so there's just... There's just this idea of, well, okay, I'm going to keep everything that I mm-hmm. truly believe secret, and that's going to hurt their, that's going to hurt the left's polls, yeah. the, the the mainstream media. Well, it's going to hurt hurt them at the ballot box. It's going to hurt them there too, because yeah. they, well, it already did in '16. There were, I mean, I was just, yeah. The greatest thing about the the election in 2016 wasn't that Trump won; it was just the Democrats were like so flabbergasted, like, how did this happen? I'm like. 
because you're lying, you're lying and painting a narrative that isn't true, and it right. jumped up and bit you in the butt. Is what yeah. happened. <laughs> so, do we want to do a cigar update? And I think we should also. I, we didn't have it in our notes, but we should talk about what's going on with the electoral college. Uh, has that like surfaced again? Like, yeah. is it a bigger deal than I thought? I, I oh, okay, because I didn't even I didn't even know about that. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the cigar. You want to go first, or you want me to? Oh, go, go ahead. Your ash is still on. Yeah, I was on. moving my hand a little, and mine fell off right about the time it got to the big part. Um, so I don't know if I was moving my hand too much, but I got, I retrohaled and there's a little burn in the, just right where it goes into my nasal passages in the back of my throat, but not up, not up front, but it brought out this brownie. And so I, I really haven't got the tamarind for that you were talking about, but I got this like brownie sprinkle sprinkled with some dirty Nicaraguan. Like there was just a little bit of that dirty Nicaraguan uh, taste, but it was like like, alkaline cocoa type of. Yeah, but it was definitely like a dark chocolate yeah. brownie, mm-hmm. and uh, just very light. And I think this cigar—you you, know—you see a cigar this black, you think it's going to be super strong, mm-hmm. but it's, it says medium to full. But I'd put it almost at a medium, and I actually yeah. think I like it because of that. Yeah. The tastes are so bold. I like the fact that it's not kicking me too yeah. much. I noticed that right too. away when we started when we lit this one that it wasn't doing like last week. That cigar last week that immediately sort of grabs you by your throat. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears> throat> It, I do appreciate the fact that this one hasn't done so yet. And, mm-hmm. and granted, I mean, you know, we, we're we just kind of graduating in ring gauge here. So, I mean, we're, yeah. we're getting more and more tobacco as we go. But, um, yeah, it's not overly powerful for sure. And, and I agree with you about that brownie. It's there. And the tamarind has kind of all but disappeared. So I wonder if that had more to do with that getting right more of the wrapper right at the very beginning. Could have. Um, and I'm... I'm searching. Last week's had a little bit of savory to it. I'm not. I'm not getting a whole lot of savory in in this one. This is a what what I would call the the typical softer, sweeter Dominican flavors with. But that broadleaf Maduro is bringing in the darkness. Yeah. For us. So. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I'm I'm liking it, and I'd say it's pretty consistent so far. And we're into the big. We're both into the big part. Yep. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're enjoying the Kristoff. Oh, I'm loving it. This Vengeance. Is, this is, yeah, and the, what a cool name. Mm-hmm. Vengeance. Um, I would, you know, this is something that I would like to smoke because um, I'm kind of environmental. I think about where where does the cigar put me mm. or what would I like to be doing or experiencing while I have this cigar or whatever. This would be a great one to have up at David's. Um, oh, yeah. You know, just to, when you're hanging out or after having a good meal, just uh, go up to the cigar shop and this would be a great one to enjoy to a football game or baseball game or whatever and you mentioned the oil too mm-hmm. the the oil on this is just the, the mouthfeel is really nice because of the oil on this one you know it's 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 dark it's it's you know it's slick on my tongue just the right amount yeah and uh makes my it doesn't makes my mouth feel kind of wet mm-hmm. the oil does so that's really nice i think this would be a good one for david's too mm-hmm. although for we need sure. to smoke that triple maduro that we've still yeah. smoked that have we you know that was gonna <clears throat> happen the other day uh and we didn't didn't do it. I, you know, Mark and I both have one over there, and you've got one too, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we need to do that. Well, I guess we'll have that's to do a that's, special edition with yeah, Mark or something. We could. Well, well, that's our update. So fill me in. I, I actually heard maybe just sprinklings of something happening with the electoral college. Um, just a just a quick blip, but you fill me in on what you know. Well, there's a number of states now. I think the number is 13, mm-hmm. and I don't know how they agree to do this, mm-hmm. but have now said that they are going to give all of their electoral 
elect, electors or electoral votes mm-hmm. to the winner of the popular vote in that state. Hmm. So, I don't know. I think that's a terrible idea. And I wonder, my, I guess my biggest question is, is what, it, what, it, what recourse is there for um, minority party voters um, in some of those counties? Like, do they have constitutional recourse to hmm. sue, to, to stop that? No, I wonder. Wonder is it illegal? I would think it had to be illegal. It would have to be illegal to override the constitution. Well, does the elector have to? Don't don't they choose the elector to represent the vote, or how does that work? I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Well, 13 out of out of 50 states is that enough to? It depends on the states. Scale. Yeah. You know, it depends on which mm-hmm. which states and how many electoral electoral votes we're talking about. But I think that it's it's a, there's it brings up another another interesting topic when we talk about this is the idea that I was thinking about this today as I was listening to these guys on the radio talk about Mueller and this investigation and impeachment and indictments and all these different types of things. Does the government have a responsibility to its citizens to make its system of government understandable to the average person? Hmm. Well, I think so, but I'm not sure that ours is that complex. Well, it's not at its base, at its at its roots, mm-hmm. but it's been complicated more and more and more and more as the years have gone by, you know? For example, we all know that there's an electoral college. We know what it does and how it's supposed to function, but then each place puts in these little different rules and regulations and procedures to where it becomes such a complicated bureaucratic mess mm. that... Here we are sitting, not really understanding whether or not, yeah, they can do that, or if they can, or what recourse is there. I mean, it's it's just interesting that we've we've gotten to a point now where there's so many different layers that we don't really know how to unpackage it. Just two, re- I mean, relatively intelligent, engaged people. Yeah, you know, because I just admitted that I didn't know for yeah. sure. <clears throat> so um, it is interesting. I wonder though if. Uh, what if one of those states, go. Trump got the majority? Yeah. Would they give them all to him, or would they say, oh, no. Yeah, well, they would have to if that's what they've committed to do, but... Well, you commit to undecided. something, you don't have to keep your commitment. You can undecide. <laughs> yeah, you can undecide. Well, seriously, because yeah. because what when you say they've committed to it, what, do they have? They signed a legal document? See, that's what I don't know. Yeah. Is it a law, yeah. or is it a... Yeah. So, or is it a party decision, you know? Because that... I bet that's... I bet it has awesome. something to do with that. I bet the parties are trying to somehow unhinge the electoral college, or the parties. I mean, one party. <laughs> the parties. Yeah. One party is doing it because the other party probably wouldn't. So, I don't know. That that's that's one of those a little bit scary things. I I wish I wish I knew more about it, but uh, you yeah. know. But it's but honestly, okay. We, we can't forget this either. When when people talk about that and they say we want to give all of our electoral votes to the popular vote. What they're saying is, all of you people that live in low population areas, you don't really have a right to vote. <clears throat> yeah. Well, what they're saying is, all you people that live in low population areas, if you don't vote the way we want you to vote, we're not going to count your vote. Right. That's what they're saying. Yeah. And uh, that is kind of the divide in this country. It is kind of urban versus rural. Oh, for sure. Um so you know what the, the solution is, right? Just wall the cities off. 
There you go. Let them do whatever they want in there. But they can't get in and they can't get out, and we're not going to ship them any of our stuff that we make or process or... <laughs> they, can, they can just become an independent, sovereign yeah. city. <clears throat> Have fun. Yeah. See how long you last. <laughs> well, the, and the funny thing is, it, it amazes me that... It, okay. I think there are some good Democrats. There are some good people that would call themselves liberal. I, I actually would call my... I, I kind of like some classical liberal policies, mm-hmm. even though I'm a conservative, because I think we should conserve the liberties, the freedom, those li- the, those liberal things. <clears throat> and... Um, but when you look at cities that for years have been run by leftist democratic um, policies, what they do is <clears throat> they have an immediate rise and then a, then they start to fall. And we're getting to the point where most of them are heading down. Oh, really bad. <laughs> yeah, really bad. And there are just issues they they're having a difficult time dealing with and. and Everybody seems to think, oh, it's because we did. It's like, oh, well, maybe we need to just do another. We need a little more. A little more. A little more of that democratic. We need a little more of this policy stuff. Like, no, 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 you don't. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, that kind of thing. I just don't understand why some Democrats just don't say, "I'm, I'm tired of this," and uh, and maybe they, maybe some of them are. I mean, I've heard. LA's pretty bad. I've heard some other cities in California are pretty bad. San Francisco's San terrible. San Francisco's another one, yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Any place that starts to adopt these these ideas, they just start to go downhill because they can't police any longer. They can't make any money. They're overregulated. Yeah. What else do you have? Well, and, and then I can't even believe the fact that Somebody was stupid enough to not want Amazon to come to their city. Was that New York? Was that Cortez that didn't want Amazon to? Who knows? That that was. It's kind of old news, but I'm like, now wait a minute. You have a company that, and it doesn't matter. I won't know the numbers of Amazon, but let's say mm-hmm. you have a company that wants to come to your state and bring in fifteen hundred jobs. Oh my word! Yeah. It's like, why not give them a tax break? They're creating fifteen hundred jobs yeah. for people that are going to pay you taxes. Yeah. So yeah, give them an incentive to come. I'm fine with that. I'm a taxpayer, and I'm fine with them giving them that incentive. Yeah, <clears throat> I think some of the to to have full disclosure. I think that some of the tax incentives are too much. Like here in Iowa, we've got Facebook coming in. They've, they've got huge, huge data centers. Microsoft's got another big one, like here in Des Moines, and. From what I understand, they're 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 bringing in some jobs, but they're uh-huh. getting like tax free. They're getting like really? subsidized to move in. Well, which, and, which yeah. that's I don't like that. Well, I don't either. And a, and a better answer is to just just lower taxes for everyone mm-hmm. and only spend the taxes on the things that we should be spending taxes on. Yeah. You know. Um, yep. I don't know. We're kind of. We want to go anywhere specific next? Did we kind of cover the kind of covered the electoral college a bit? And uh, I don't know. Let's see. Where's my Where's my impeach? Well, impeachment. We kind of covered that. Um, oh, oh, what was the? I want to talk about that a little bit, but I'm not sure if I can remember it. The do not track registry. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah. <clears throat> Did we talk about that last week or I don't was think that, we did. Okay. I think we might have wanted to and didn't. I what a it's 
It's one of those bait and switch kind of things to me. Mm-hmm. Like it, it sounds like a really great idea. A do not track registry. Oh, that's a great idea. But it's going about it all bass backwards to me. I think they should, they could or should make it illegal for companies to track people without. Then you can opt in. Without some kind of value exchange, you know, mm-hmm. like if you. You say, hey, you give us rights to track you, and we'll give you whatever mm-hmm. membership, or we'll give you money, or we'll give you whatever. I think that that should be. I, I like that idea. What I don't like is the idea of like we're gonna create this registry, and then, okay, here's the biggest question I have: Who's gonna enforce this registry? Because the enforcers are gonna have to have access to all of it. Well, right. Mm-hmm. So that therefore, in order to do their job of enforcing this, they're going to have to have full and total access to everything, and and that's so you're giving away the baby and the bathwater. Well, so let so let's back up a little bit, and I think mm-hmm. this applies. Back up, bec- but as in sure. years, is sure, what sure. we're talking about the the do not call registry for people that don't want to get telemarketing calls. I, yeah. I spent I don't know maybe a decade in the telemarketing business, and sure. I know it's 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 a farce. That, that you have a do not call registry. First of all, you're still going to get calls. I know what the answer to not getting telemarketing calls is, but I'll tell you that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But what they do is they put, oh, we'll have this government program that your tax money will pay for and we will protect you. And that's, no, that's not at all what it is. What it is is a government program that doesn't protect you at all, but it gives you the illusion that you're being protected. You can sign up for this registry and you have to sign up every, every five years and then they require companies to... Um, to uh, uh, subscribe to the registry. No, really? S- yes, to the registry so that... I didn't they, know. This is fun. Yes, so that they get your information <laughs> oh, and then they have to funnel your the, the list, the registry list, through their call databases and cycle out the people that are on the do not call list. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Well, what you don't realize is that you have 14-year-old kids working at telemarketing companies and they call somebody... And they say, oh, yeah, no, this is Frank, not Bob, but his number changed. Here's his number. And they give it to you, and you type it in, and the kid types it in. He might get it right, he might get it wrong, but he types in a number, but doesn't change the name. So Frank, so now Frank got called, but now it's Bob's number, but it might not even be Bob's number. It might be Jim's number. So Jim's still going to get the telemarketing call, but they're going to ask for Frank. And so uh, th- there's all of these just mistakes that can't be managed in the registry, and it and it doesn't work. Plus, guess where the telemarketing companies go? Just across the border in Canada, where they don't have to meet the do not call registry. Call across the border. Yes, when you get an automated call, it's it's very seldom. I, in fact, I think automated telemarketing calls are illegal in the United States, or at least they were 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. And but they just move across the border. And they can still call because, and here's why, because the phone company that they're paying long distance fees to wants those telemarketing companies paying them to make those calls because the calls are cheap enough that they can still make money calling through these phone companies. So the the phone companies don't want it to stop Mm -hmm. because it's still a lucrative business for them. They get paid whether or not the telemarketing company makes money. Yeah. So it's all tied up. And... What you need to have, and this is where this is why I love technology and free market. the The end game is on your phone, and there's actually questions whether this is legal, and it's because of bureaucracy. You can you should be able to have a whitelist on your phone only the calls that you want to come in, come in. 
So if you get a call from a random telemarketing number, it doesn't even ring. That's the answer because you get to say, oh, yeah, I've got these 50 friends, 100 friends. Yeah, mm -hmm. they can call me. See, I don't like that because I have people that I don't know call me all the time for important reasons. Right, and they can leave a message, and then when they call you back, so it would you go through to, to your voicemail. Well, that would be the answer to the to the. It would go through to something, or you could pull up. You know, for me, that's the logical answer. It goes to your voicemail, yeah. and then they leave a message, and you say, "Oh, that's that's John. I don't have his number," and then you put him in your phone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then none of the telemarketing you can do that get through. I'm pretty sure you can set a whitelist on your phone. I think you can now, and there were some restrictions. And here's what gets weird is because there are certain phone companies in certain areas, like let's say on the East Coast, there's a phone company that runs most of the phoning, phoning on mm -hmm. there, whether it's cell phone or whether it's landlines. Right. It's, it's almost the same. And then you go over on the West Coast, and then Midwest, there's different companies. Well, there are restrictions that that company can't control the numbers from this company. Mm -hmm. like So it's not open so right. that you can provide a good service to mm -hmm. the consumer because, oh, we can't regulate that number because it's not our number to regulate, gotcha. which is ridiculous. But that's the kind of yeah. stuff that, at least in the past, I can't mm -hmm. speak of current, but with landlines and telemarketing, that's the kind of issues it was having when, the, I mean, years ago, you could have still had an answering machine when caller ID came out. It only rings when it's, right. you know, your phone only rings when it's somebody you want to ring, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, so you, and you can kind of do that now with just a push of a button. You have to push a button. Yeah. You know, like I get the telemarketer calls, and I know that I know I'm pretty certain that whoever's calling me from you know Los Angeles or whatever the number says, you know, somewhere in Nevada or Georgia, probably not somebody that I that needs to talk to me urgently. And so so I'll just push the the reject button and it'll goes to my voicemail, you know. So we can kind of do it now, just have to kind of manually. Well, and and again, what where telemarketing and some of the others have been successful has been for the old people that don't know how to do that. You know, and when that's that's why I think if we could do something or can do something, mm -hmm. we should because so many innocent people are like I not even not even innocent, but like disadvantaged people are getting mm -hmm. taken taken advantage of. Well, and that I, makes me mad. Right, and I think the government should say should free the market to fix it because I think the market will can fix it. I because I think the I think the technology is there. To that's do it. that's the way it's going now, and there's a bunch of cell phone companies now that are rolling out programs to block these overseas robocalls. The question is whether or not they're going to have it as a value added service where you got to pay more to get it or whether they're just going to include it in. Sooner or later, they'll include it in there. Yeah, yeah. And and it, it kind of doesn't matter if you pay for it because I, cause quite honestly, as a free market guy, mm -hmm. I think if they're providing a service, they're also free to charge me for yeah. it. I'm fine with that. Um, what I'm not fine with is the government saying, oh, no, you can't provide that service because... Yeah. You know, have to regulate this. Yeah, yeah I think it's... I, I haven't heard much about that in the last week or so, so I'm wondering if... Word got out that, hey, everybody, this is a bad idea. Yeah. I, yeah. So in, anyway, um, so I don't know if that well, do, do not track registry. I, and I also think that the illusion, we have to be careful. I was talking to somebody about this at work today. He said, oh, you got an iPhone, the government tracks you. It's like, look, <laughs> first of all, if you think not having an iPhone makes you not be trackable, yeah. you're, 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 you're delusional. Yeah. Um, 
I still wonder if the light fixture I put up mm -hmm. that I bought that's a Chinese-made light fixture in my living room somehow connects to my Wi-Fi oh, and sends yeah. information to China. Yeah. You know? If we want to get if we want to get into the conspiracy thing, like all LED light bulbs, the LED ones, you know, they've got basically it's like a computer. They've got chips in them. Mm -hmm. It'd be very, 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 very easy to make them microphones or whatever. And and I talked to a guy um, who was in technology in the Navy and did some things in that regard many, many, many years ago. And he was talking about, oh yeah, you, we can send we can send information over the power lines. So it's very, very it's it's known science. It's known technology to be able to basically mic someone's house and send that information so yeah we could have microphones in our in our houses very very well anybody that has a samsung tv these smart tvs are i think all of them now have gone they actually have in the documentation that comes with it that there's that technology built in there's microphones and video really? built into them so they can you know. is that that one company the way wave what are they called huawei or something that i there's one company in china or japan that's been like oh yeah, yeah. they got in trouble here recently but again, then assuming that it's just that company, like there's not some yeah. small company that's no. one-tenth the size of them so trying to do it too. Spread. Information yeah. now is worth so much that they're just <clears throat> getting it. They're just taking it. And then and then just to go back to a kind of a general topic that we like to talk about, this do not track registry and mm -hmm. that whole idea is a prime example of people in government saying, well, we've got to do something. And then they just roll out some bill yeah. and hose everybody because you got to do something. Yeah. No, we, we have to decide, number one, if it's our job, and number two, if the market, I think, just let set the market free to fix things, <clears throat> because... It will. I, I think it will. I think it will, too. But it is... We, we talked a lot, man. We really got into that. Um, we're up to the next cigar update. <clears throat> so, uh, I got... Just a hint of a taste that's hard for me to explain, but I call it metallic, like um, almost like a stainless steel metallic taste. It's a bitter, just for a second, mm -hmm. and it went away. I don't think I, I could have been drawing too fast, or I don't know, but it went away, so I'm glad it's not there. I'm still getting, I'm getting that dark brownie, and yeah. it might, it might be a little, little less sweet than it was. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. but. It's a, but it's a it's a dark brownie. That's yeah, why I'm getting dark. The dark chocolate's definitely there, mm -hmm. and it's getting kind of more prominent. I think as I get kind of down to the final third. I I think it's getting a little stronger as well. I'm not I'm not for sure saying it's less sweet, but I'm gonna try to decide. Yeah, I think it's less sweet. It's not dirty though. No, <clears throat> which is nice. And the retrohale is it's funny. A lot of retrohales will burn like right in my nasal passage, and this maybe I've got an issue with my throat, but it's burning right at the throat where the throat mm. changes to nasal, which is interesting when I retrohale. The purge, when I purged through my lips a few minutes ago, it I didn't get a lot of a distinctive taste, but they just uh, pronounced the oil. Mm -hmm. It's like just made my lips slick. That was that was an interesting feel that I liked. I consider that a positive. So, anything else for you? Nope, I think it's it's holding pretty tight. There's nothing nothing undesirable about this cigar. Mm -mm. From the appearance, to the branding, to the shape, to the flavor, I think this is... It's, it's really... I like it. 
And it helps that I was just in a great mood when I showed up today, I think. It, yeah. It always helps to kind it of always be helps, yeah. kind of, of a happy mood when you start a cigar. But really, honestly, as far as flavor profile and stuff goes, I really love this cigar. Cool. I do too. Christoph Vengeance turning out to be pretty good. So, uh, you know, I, I put down New Tarantino film, and then I forgot the name of the film. But I thought I need to put something kind of lighthearted and fun in there. It's something about Hollywood. It's got Hollywood in the title. But it's like a, it's like a throwback. Like maybe it's seven, circa nineteen seventies or something. But it's got all kinds of like it's got uh, DiCaprio in it. It's got Brad Pitt in it, and oh, probably five, they're the two leads, right? I think so. Yeah. And uh, watch the trailer. It looked kind of interesting and fun. But I've, I've always loved Tarantino movies, and that doesn't necessarily mean I recommend them. Some of them are super violent and. Like Kill Bill was violent and funny. Like it was I funny really violent. liked Kill Bill. I did. It's too. kind of a guilty pleasure, but yeah, it is. But Reservoir Dogs was like real, real life violent, and like that one was hard to watch, but I, I enjoyed it. And that wasn't that was I think him and somebody else. I think Tarant that was kind of a combination movie. But I think I've liked every Tarantino, and of course Pulp Fiction. That's a cult classic. Classic, yeah. <laughs> that was just crazy amazing. I've always liked him. I don't even know if he's a nifty guy but who cares you know I like the art he makes so you know yeah it has its pros and cons I guess I, yeah. I'm not as much of a film person as I used to be I used to be way more into those types of films but I don't know having kids has kind of made my movie selection a little thinner so yeah I uh I always say that I hope I don't want to raise my kids to watch or not watch certain movies. I want to raise my kids so that whatever they watch, they can say it's good art or bad art, and it's morally good or morally bad. I want them to be able to make good decisions with regard to saying what the movie is, mm -hmm. regardless of what they watch. Yeah. I suppose there would be some things I would prefer they'd say, no, nah, might not watch that. Just don't watch it. it. Yeah, shut it off. There's, there, there's a handful of those out there. Yeah. I found that... It's so interesting how kids, um, my kids, I think, have a genuine distaste for filth. Like, and I guess we haven't been, I mean, we try to protect them, protect their little ears and their mm -hmm. little eyes. You know, we don't overly shelter because, hey, the world's the world and you have to learn how to navigate and how to decipher and stuff. But, man, we're, we'll be watching something like, we've been watching a lot of, um, like, old television series like mm. you know like uh for example like the old mission impossible oh, show from fun. like the 60s or yeah whatever, huh. in which they love them you know and 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 uh but there'll be something where there's just a little bit too much sex appeal or something and they're just like oh we don't want to watch this this is no good you know <laughs> they have a genuine just distaste and it's 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 good and fun that their little hearts kind of decipher that it's good well and and it's, I, it's funny, I, I had to define this a few years back, but when it comes to saying if a movie's good or if a movie's bad, that one of the things that I like describing to people is letting them know that I don't mind a movie that shows some of the bad things that are real in life. If it shows the bad things as bad. As bad, yeah. When it shows bad things as good then I'm a little less likely to yeah. like it. And, and I can I can make that distinction, but my yeah. kids might not. Right. Um, 
you know, so there's certain things where it's showing bad things and saying they're good yeah. that I, I don't want them to get that. Yeah. I think there's been a big push about that. You know, I mean, I, for example, I remember a couple of examples. I remember when I was a kid, once in a while we would watch like professional wrestling or something, you know, mm -hmm. and that was always fun because you had the good guy and you had the bad guy, right? Yeah. Well, then I remember um, I was in high school when it became the bad guys were the good guys. Everybody, you know, they had the the NWO, you know, the New World Order or whatever, and all the good guys were switching to be bad guys, and it was, and they were the good guys. Yeah. And the good guys, you know what I'm saying? I do. And yeah. I, I remember, I hate, I didn't like that. I felt like it was less fun when you had this sort of injustice, but it wasn't even that. It was just like, we're the bad, and we love it, and we're going to take it all over. It was, it was literally selling that mentality. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at something even so simple as, I don't know, just some of these films that they're coming out with now, there was a, Disney, I think, did one, Maleficent. It was about, so you know, the, the, the Sleeping Beauty movie from, mm -hmm. like, way back. Uh-huh. Maleficent is the bad stepmother or witch or whatever. Oh, Maleficent. yeah, what did it make her look? And it was played, it, they did, like, a real live version, and it was played by Angelina Jolie, and it was telling her story or whatever, and it just kind of, kind of, like, she was the main character of, of the mm. movie and I didn't watch it but I could tell you know like this glorification of evil it's something I really have a problem with I don't mm -hmm. like it at all yeah. skews at, at people's like internal sense of that good and evil that mythical sense of good and evil which is so important did you watch Game of Thrones? no I, I didn't either and I, I feel like I it's, it's okay to admit that um, the, the reason I asked my wife if I my wife watched a lot I think all of it and I, I asked her if we should watch it together and she was she was concerned as as most of the people that I've listened to talk about it have said it's particularly sexual and at least in the first couple seasons it's worse than others. Yeah, I don't I don't need that. But it seemed to be interesting when I hear people talk about it, it seemed to be interesting just, you know, I don't know, power plays that would have been fun, good character development, I yeah. think, but whatever. Yeah, I don't I don't need more darkness. Yeah, generally speaking. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I tell you what, I really, and we're it's okay. I guess it's okay wherever we're wherever we are now. But I, when I watched Blue Bloods, we watched several seasons mm -hmm. of that. That was instead of watching a movie because Blue Bloods was free on whatever we watched it on. We could just sit and watch a, you know, what an hour episode's about forty five minutes without commercials. Yeah, and it was a good you know at night kids go to bed we could watch that. But it's like man, it was great because they dealt with really hard, real life issues kind of from a crime mm -hmm. perspective and, and from a justice perspective. And uh, they didn't always give easy answers, but they were dealing with the tough issues, and it was fun. Because we would, we would, you know, have conversations about it, right. different things, and so... Yeah, that's fun. I like, you know, as you talk of power plays and stuff, a really good film they'd like that, I think, was uh, The Good Shepherd. Did you ever see that one? It's about the birth of the CIA. Oh, no. Oh, it's a phenomenal film. Really? All these, like, sort of deep state power plays at that time and really yeah it was okay. family associations and stuff it was just a fascinating movie i'm gonna have to look into that yeah you, you'd, you'd enjoy that cool well i'm gonna i'm gonna say one thing because i have a couple minutes and this will this will this will let me wrap this up i think i can say enough about this there was a quote by the executive editor of the new york times that said the greatest crisis in american journalism is the death 
of local news. And I don't, I didn't read the whole article. I'm not sure what he was intending when he was saying this quote, but um, I, I think it's, I think it's a spin. Um, I think what he's saying is correct, but I don't think he's saying what it sounds like he's saying. I do think that um, local papers have lost local print, print local news and things have kind of lost a little bit of their interest and some people don't want to go with a local radio station anymore. They'll listen to national stuff. Um, and yes, I think that's, that's a bad thing, but I also think there's a rebirth via the internet. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing. And, um, now sometimes that means somebody in Oskaloosa is going to listen to a podcast in, you know, North Carolina, mm-hmm. but it still gives the little guy an opportunity to really get out there and do something and gain a following. And I think that is a really cool thing. And it's cool. I mean, it gives the opportunity for good and bad both to go out there on those yeah. podcasts, but it's taking the power away from the mainstream media. Yeah. And um, I would agree. I don't think they're right now. I think that we're in actually a renaissance of American journalism, not a crisis Boy, because so. because of that very fact. Like anybody can go and write whatever they want, and that's kind of like to me. And, I, and maybe I have a oversimplified view of journalism, but to me, that's the epitome of a perfect journalistic world when you can go out and just say it. And yeah. and people will read it or have access to it, you know. Well, and there are some people that I that I think are smart in that, like if you pop open something on like the Daily Wire on on the internet and you start reading their articles, I don't think you necessarily know this, but their writers don't work in house. Their right. writers are all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, all over the United States, living in different places, yeah. writing. And it's interesting that they've got a setup where they can hire people and pay them to write, like per article. Yeah, per article. Yeah. Some in some cases they might have some on staff, but mm-hmm. but yeah, they just do that, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. Like you look at that quote, and you you think, oh, he's right. But then no, they, yeah. we're not we're not there. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why I wanted to mention that. It was just a short little thing that went through my brain, and when I it was a couple weeks ago when I yeah. when I pulled that off of something. And, uh, <clears throat> well, it's time to, uh, to give our final, final opinion of this. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a couple more draws and see, see what I think here. Yeah. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit, uh, sad when I, when I'm finishing this cigar because I want, to, okay, so, so the cigar starts very small and then it gets mm-hmm. bigger and then it gets smaller again. I want there, I want to smoke this transition yeah. back to small again, but I, I won't be able to because yeah. it, the, It'll burn me, but <laughs> but I'm, as I look at it, I'm like, oh, I want to transition back. I want to see if it would transition back. Yeah, that would be an int- that. Yeah, me too. And and I get it. In fact, being a being a medium, I think I called a medium bodied cigar. It also makes it feel like oh, we could smoke it longer. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, but I think um, my uh, my brownie's turning a little bitter, and that's not a bad thing. It's it's okay. It's still tasty. It's still kind of an earthy bitter. It's not as sweet. As it was, but most everything else is pretty consistent. Still oily and mm-hmm. retrohale. Yeah, I'd agree. Why don't you tell us uh, what oh, we're yeah. supposed to taste? I forget about that sometimes. Okay, we're supposed to uh, expect delicious flavors of espresso, <laughs> sweet mocha, graham cracker, and spice. Graham cracker. Oh, graham. 
Well, I was saying brownie. Graham, I so get it. Maybe, maybe yeah, graham not, cracker. If you, if you look, taste for it, you can totally taste it. No, I'm right there wrong. It's brownie. <laughs> I don't have I did, to give I in. did get the brownie, though, for sure. Yeah. I, for, for sure. I did, too. And I think that's the sweet mocha, even that mm-hmm. would be kind of a brownie. Um, and definitely, I was I was trying to tell dark chocolate or coffee. I would have called mm-hmm. it chocolatey more so than espresso. And, Man, uh, but now that I think, now that I've actually read it, because I did, I like intentionally like, yeah, didn't I, read I, it. I, I don't read and it either. If you just give a slightest retro hill, just a, like a light retro hill, it's like bam, graham maybe, crackers maybe right it there. Is. I might, I might have to concede. I don't like conceding to <laughs> what I'm supposed to taste, but maybe I'll give him a fifty-fifty on that one. So. Oh, that's good. So, all right. Really so, this has been the Christoph Vengeance, and oh, we were pretty happy that this one was only an eight ninety five. So, this uh, wasn't pushing the high end of what we spend on cigars, and it's perfecto. So, it looks cool. So, six and a half inches long, sixty in the middle, smaller on the ends. We really enjoyed the Christoph Vengeance, and we're Absolutely. gonna we're gonna finish it up. Yep, we're gonna call that good for this week. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you next time. This has been Doug and Joe Talk. Later.